Hello and welcome to one of the episodes of Great Story. I have no idea which one, but it is one of them. And with me here today is my dad. Hey. Aton. Aton. Howdy. Okay. So, straight to the stories. Okay. Okay, let's do it. Off my list here, I've got tell me a story about one of your favorite things to do when you were young. Well, that's a good question. I gotta think about what age. Well, let's see. When I was your age, I had, I used to ride my bike around the neighborhood that we lived in. It was really cool. There were these, like, bike paths that led all over the neighborhood and parks and a stream. Mm-hmm. And I would ride around with my friends, and we would do that. And there was also a creek that ran through our neighborhood, and um, friends of mine and I, we would, like, go down there. I don't think it was a little younger than you. My friend Doug and I, we would go down there and play, like, all day long in the summer in the water. And we mm-hmm. would make a little fort in the reeds there, and we would pick up, you know, find little crawdads and things in the water and play with them. Crawdads are like, they're like little tiny crabs cool. in the water. And, and we would do that. Those were fun. I also used to like building things with Legos or other stuff. Oh, and I used to build, when I was hanging out by myself in my room, I would build giant houses of cards. Because mm-hmm. Grandma had this giant pile of playing cards. Like, were they like a foot tall or something? It was like two feet tall, this pile, and hundreds and hundreds of cards. And I would build giant houses of cards on my floor. Like, like would it be like like the equivalent of the Twin Towers? <laughs> Maybe not quite, quite those proportions, but yeah, it would be like, I don't know, four or five stories tall and like really, really big and all sorts of weird shapes. It was fun. Ooh. I would spend hours and hours doing that. Yeah, it sounds cool. Yeah. Okay. You know, I didn't have out. a... T- that was pre-tablet, so... PT, before before the tablets, so... Yeah. I did things with my physical hands when I was bored. We all do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, you especially. Okay, I'm gonna sign that with a check. All right. Now, next question is, could you tell us about some interesting stories... About moving from your old house to the other house that that is in America. You mean moving from America to Israel? No, remember. So right when you were born. Yeah. You lived, oh the house lived that, in the ha- yeah you lived oh in the I house. like when I was sixteen when we moved. Yeah. Well, I don't have a lot of stories about that specific. The only story I have about that is that when we went to visit the construction site. Oh my God. So we, <laughs> we went to visit the construction site once. Of course, this is America, not Israel, so constructing the house took, you know, I don't know, six months, a year, something, something reasonable, as opposed to the way it is here, where it takes just years and years. But, um, so I was 16, I was in high school, and the house was like half built, and we went to look at it. And we didn't, like, walk around much because that would be dangerous. But we just kind of walked in the front area a little bit, poked our heads in. And 
I, you know, was stepping on these planks of wood that were set in the mud. Yeah. To stop, so I wouldn't be stepping in the mud. And one of them had a big old nail sticking up out of it that I did not see. Uh. And I stepped right on it. And I was in so much pain. It just went way up into my foot, right in the right in the meaty part in the front, you know, where the muscle is. It went, way, it went like an inch up into there. And uh, so they had to, my, we were all, my whole family, we were all there. And they took, they took me to the hospital and they had to uh, clean it out. Just like they like spray water up into the hole to make sure they get out all the all the Did they stuff. put you to sleep? No, guy just did it, just with a little spritzer, and then uh, you know they stick stuck a bandaid on it, and they're like, okay, good to go. Yeah. They got to do that to make sure it doesn't get infected, you know. But I had all sorts of adventures that hurt my feet. I also once <laughs> down by that creek area I told you about. Yeah. There was also an area where they piled a bunch of like dead vegetation like the the people that i don't know i don't know what it was from it was like giant piles of dead leaves or whatever and again me and my friend doug we would we wandered around barefoot on this giant pile of leaves because we were just exploring and we did a lot of things barefoot which was in this case was really stupid and my and i got you know some prickle or something caught in my foot and it got infected and yeah and then uh my mom had to take me to the doctor to the doctor who, you know, grabbed his, you know, took a knife and had to dig in there to get the thing out, whatever it was, and then it was fine. I am satisfied. I will give that one a <laughs> Okay. I'm, I'm glad. Next question. Could you tell us about some story? Could you tell us some stories about building and playing with Legos? I don't think I really have any stories about that specifically, just that I, I, I used to play with them a lot. And I would order, we would, uh, like they were what I would ask for for presents and stuff for a few years. Mm-hmm. So, I got quite a collection going and I had a shelf in my room that went the whole length of the wall that was just my, my Lego so, things. Do, so could you tell us something about like, what's the, like your, your like the thing that you were most impressed of, like... Like, say, well, I, if you made a giant tower that looked very, very much like a real tower or something. I don't really remember. I remember there was, because it, it was less, because um, when I was a kid, it was less like, you know, um, like it is now where you know, it's like these are characters from a show or a movie or something. Yeah. That that sound's going to show up on here because this is sitting on the table. Mm-hmm. Um so um, it was less like like uh, a thing where, where like these are characters in a show and it was more like, you know, um, space, space Legos and uh, underwater Lego people and um, frozen, frozen tundra wait, uh, Lego space yeah. people. And it was like, it was just all Legos and they had, you know, sort of different theme. They had like a few different themes, but it wasn't. It wasn't like it is now, so I don't know. I don't really remember the different designs that specifically. I remember there was one that was like space related that I thought was really cool because you know it had like a a spaceship with a trap door in it with a little car that could pop out, and I thought that was really cool. I like to play with that. That's about okay. It. So I'm gonna mark. 
I am half satisfied, so I'm going to mark that with a V and an X in the, in the same thing. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now, could you tell me some stories about getting your Lego? <laughs> um, no, I don't remember anything about that. Okay. <clears throat> Next question. Could you tell us about um, playing with one of your friends? Sure. So my friend, my friend Doug and I, we used to spend, again, we would spend like hours and hours riding our bikes around uh, the neighborhood and they had a trampoline in their backyard and we would jump on their trampoline and we would hang out and, and also, and then I also had this friend, Michael, who lived up the street and at his house, he was one of those kids who would come up who would like think of games to play and he would kind of wrangle all the kids in the neighborhood together to play these games. Like he would make up the, he, this kind of like casino and he would, you know, make fake money using cutting up paper and we would, he would like distribute it to us and we would use it to play games. And you know, like if you won the, if you won the game, then you got more and you did this and that, and he would just keep us entertained all day with these games he would make up and he would get like, you know, five of us, 10 of us, um, playing these games together. And then I also, my, as I mentioned a couple times, riding bikes around the neighborhood with my friend, Doug. So I just wanted to say, so one time Doug, I wasn't with him when this happened, but he was riding around with another friend and he was not wearing his helmet. And you know, those creeks that I, this creek I was talking about. So the, yeah. the bike trails went over the creek in a few spots. Yeah. And in one of those spots, he hit a rock or something, and he flew off his bike into the creek area with, and smashed his head on a rock. And, well, that's just bad luck. And it smashed open his skull, and you could see his brain. And uh, so I didn't know about this at the time, but, but then, like, that afternoon or the next day, I don't remember, his dad, Dev, came over and had us come over, and he showed, he told us what happened, and, and, you know, pointed at him and said, so you guys had better wear your helmets. And now I'm passing that on to you. Berch <laughs> 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 Hashem, Doug was fine and he grew up to be a perfectly, you know, he didn't have like brain damage or anything. He grew up to be a perfectly wonderful, uh, normal person without, you know, with nothing wrong with his head from it. But, but uh, it was very scary. It's one of those things where another inch or two, you know, and, and he, someone could be really damaged or dead. So, anyway. So that's one story. That is terrifying. Yeah, terrifying. it's crazy, right? Terrifying. Okay. That is something. Okay. Could you tell me about how you moved to Israel? Well, that's a long story. Um, I'll start talking and you feel free to interrupt me and let me know if you have more questions or you okay. want or whatever. Yeah, I know. Um, so when I, he says, I know it's my podcast, darn it. I'm in charge here. Um, <laughs> okay. So, well, I don't know. I, I, I'm not even sure where to start. So one thing, basically I was in college and I was, um, I was, uh, sort of becoming more religious 
You know, like, mm-hmm. I grew up, like, I knew I was Jewish, and we went to synagogue and everything, but I didn't, like, keep the commandments in, like, an orthodox kind of way. So in college, I started to do that more mm-hmm. on my own and, and um, sort of with a few of the people around me. Um, and I came to Israel my second year, and then I was really uh, on a birthright trip. It's like a mm-hmm. 10-day free trip, um, which I helped organize for my college. And then I thought it was really cool. So I wanted to spend, excuse me, I wanted to spend more time. So I arranged to spend my third year in America college, like your fir- first degree in college is four years. So I spent my third year at Hebrew University, which is in Jerusalem. And there I spent like, I was kind of bored because these like study abroad programs are all kind of like, they're not so the most serious things academically, right? Like the most challenging, (laughs) like the idea is they want you to like have fun and enjoy the place and whatever. Um, And also you get some credits for school. So that's good. So I was like bored. So in the, I spent every afternoon in a yeshiva in the old city learning Torah and becoming more observant and, you know, making friends with people in that world, people that were, you know, like yeshiva type people. And then when I went, back to the States, I was like, I couldn't, I just couldn't imagine not coming back and staying in Israel. It was clearly the place where I was meant to be. And, you know, I believe that the Torah, it does, it, there's arguments about like whether it's required for a Jew to move to Israel now, if, if they at all can, because if there's an ongoing mitzvah to live in the land of Israel, or if it's just like in certain conditions and whether those conditions are met. But it was clear to me that regardless of all those arguments that, um, you know, the Torah is pretty clear that the ideal uh, way for a Jew to live is to be in the land of Israel where they can fulfill all the commandments, uh, at least in theory, and many more of them in practice than in outside the land. So, so I, I came and uh, let's see. So what happened? So like, well, let's see, that was in 2006, so it was right after the Second Lebanon War, I think, mm-hmm. when I came, if I remember correctly. Um, so there had been, so a lot of people were kind of like, what, are you crazy? Why are you going now? But, you know, it's like I, I had, uh, you know, I had booked my ticket a long time ago. It was a whole process. I did have one moment where it, like a thing that kind of gave me pause and was like, maybe I shouldn't do this, <laughs> which was, which had nothing to do with violence or anything. What pause. do you? Pause. 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 Oh, you're saying pause. it gave me pause. Pause. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, so I, I did, I had to get up a copy of my birth certificate and I was born in Topeka, Kansas. Did you know that? You know what, mm-hmm. even know what that is? No. <laughs> Kansas is a state that's next to Colorado, and it's on... Yeah, the, Kansas City. Not, Kansas, Kansas City is city. a city, yeah. And so Kansas so is a state. And, and to, Kansas Yeah. Okay. And Topeka is the capital of Kansas, and that we lived there for a few years when I was very little, when I was born and when we were, I was very little. I don't remember it at all. But anyway, I was born there, and that means the record, my birth certificate, was in an office in Topeka. And I was in college in New York doing all this paperwork... Uh, through the Israeli consulate to try to, to make Aliyah. And I got on the phone with 
with the you know county clerk or whoever it was in where Topeka was, and um, and there was just this very nice young lady, and she got on the phone and she she asked me what I needed, and I told her, and she said, "Oh, do you need a you know do you need an apostille stamp on that?" I was like, "Yes, I do." That's the like international notary thing that you put on documents so you can mm. take it from country to country. And she's like, okay, well, that'll cost this much. And I was like, okay. And I paid it. And, and then, and then like two, three days later, it just showed up in the mail. It was like amazing, great service. So nice, not expensive. And it just worked really quick and easy. And I was like, I'm going to really miss uh, things working this easily uh, because it's not like that in Israel. <laughs> and, yeah, Israel but, delivery <laughs> systems suck <laughs> compared to America. Yeah, that's true. But not just deliveries; it's just everything. But the truth, but the truth is, it's gotten a whole lot better since then. But uh, it's still, yeah. The, you don't move to Israel because life will be easier in Israel. Yeah. That is not the reason you come here. You come here yeah. because you believe in it, because you think it's the right thing to do, because you want to be here. Um, there's a lot of things in life like that. It's like yeah. you also, you don't, you don't. You don't get married and have kids because it's easy, you know. Yeah. You know, it's easy to just float around and do whatever you want. That's the easiest yeah. thing. But uh, it doesn't have meaning. It doesn't have depth. Mm-hmm. So if you want to have a life that means something and has has uh, importance and stuff to it, you, you make commitments and you live by those commitments. So anyway, so I made Aliyah. That was one of the things I committed to. And I came here. Um, and I remember when I got off the plane, I didn't do there was um a lot it was the beginning of nefesh benefesh which is like this organization that helps people make aliyah from america mm-hmm. and other uh and north america i guess mm-hmm. and um but i didn't do it through them uh partly because i i needed to finish my last semester of college and i i graduated a semester early so i left at this like weird time that other people weren't coming which is like the middle of you know early january or whatever and uh, so I just got, so the, the Jewish agency just gave me a free plane ticket to get on a normal flight. It wasn't like a special Aliyah flight. So I arrived and I'm like the only person there who made Aliyah. And I, there was nobody, there wasn't like special people to greet me or anything. It was just like, uh, where do I go? And I was like, hi. I like found a guy and I was like, where do I go? I just made Aliyah. And I go, that, that office there. So I walk into this little office that was like in the back of the passport reception area. This mm-hmm. is in the old airport, I think. If I, uh, I think it was still the old airport. I don't, I don't even remember. Um, I think it was the old one. And I, I went in the, like, the old Terminal 1. Um, yeah, I'm not sure about that part of the memory. But anyway, it was kind of in the back of the, the, the area with the passports. And I went in there, and the lady said, you know, who are you? Here's your, you, you show me your documents. I showed her my papers, whatever. And she handed me... My Tudatole, my um, new immigrant card, my Tudatzahut, my national ID card, and uh, an envelope with a couple thousand shekels in it. And some papers. Because they give you money every month for like the first year after you make Aliyah, but the first one is in cash because you don't have an Israeli bank account yet for them to put mm-hmm. it in. So, yeah. So that was that. Oh, gosh. And, and then they give, you get a free cab ride uh, to anywhere in the country um, that, you, that you need to go. So I, I took a ride to my friends in Jerusalem, which is where I was going to be staying. 
And I just had, I had two big suitcases and that was all the things I had. That was everything I brought uh, to start my, my life here. I tell you, the bank thing was, was funny. You remember how grandma and grandpa had trouble opening their bank account when they moved here a year or two ago? Yeah. So I also had trouble opening my bank account when I, when I made Aliyah. I was living right downtown in Jerusalem, like two minutes away from Kikar Tzion, which is like mamash mamash right downtown in Jerusalem. And I, um, and I walked down the street to, to the main square and there are two banks there and I walked into one of them. It was Bank HaPoelim, for the record, uh, SOBs. And I walked in there <laughs> and I showed them the paper from, you know, the office of the Aliyah saying, you know, this person doesn't have all X, Y, Z yet, but, you know, by law, you're supposed to open a bank account for them anyway, um, by order of, you know, the ministry of uh, something, I don't even know. Um, but apparently it was the law, they were supposed to open an account for me. So I took it up to the guy and I was like, hey, can I, I need to open a bank account, can you guys do it? And they're like, no. And I was like, what do you mean no? I got this paper from the government saying you have to do it. And I was like, well, we're not gonna do it. <laughs> and I walked out of there and I walked across the square. Oh no, you know what? That was Bank Lumi. Actually, that was the Bank Lumi, that's right. <laughs> I, I cursed the wrong SOBs. So the, that was Bank Lumi. So I walked across the square to Bank Apolim, um, and I just walked into the lobby and I told them I, I needed to open an account and here's the paper. And they're like, sure, walk right over here. I opened the account. But yeah, that's how it was. Sometimes people get confused. Okay. Yeah, either that or they don't want to have to figure out anything that's not the normal thing they do all day. Take the size of a paper, of the entire paper. You're going to take that one off? Lots. <laughs> okay. Now, um, tell me some stories about taking care of me and my brothers when we were really young. <laughs> well... <laughs> When your brother was born, when Hall was born, he was our first, obviously, and um, we had no idea that anything was wrong, mm -hmm. except yeah. that Saba, Jeff, kept having these, he was a little concerned because he noticed his eyes were doing a weird thing, and, um, and uh, so... He, um, he didn't, we were about to go to the, to the U.S. to, you know, basically show Halalah, our new baby, off to all the relatives and, and meet, for him to meet everybody. And Saba, sort of quietly behind our backs, thank God, uh, with it, and he didn't say anything at the time because he didn't want to, like, ruin our whole trip and get us all worried about it. But he went ahead and got us an appointment at Hadassah to see the, the, um, the eye, uh, eye people. And, uh, he, uh, and then when we got back, he was like, Hey, you know, I'm concerned about this thing. I made you this appointment. <laughs> Could you? And he was like, all right, fine. You know, we'll go check it out. Um, and it turned out that he had this, he was basically blind. He was at three months old. 
Did he have, did they see, like, something a bit of white, like, deep in the eye? Something? Um, no, uh, I mean, I mean, I'm not sure exactly what it looks like when they looked in there, but they, they checked for something called a red reflex, which is when you shine a light into someone's eyeball, like yeah. in the pupil, yeah. um, a red light is sort of shines back at you. Yeah. I don't know what, it's maybe from shining off the back of the, the eyeball or something. Yeah. And so if you don't get that, so there's something blocking it. And, um, so the, normally, uh, that's something that uh, now, whenever they do baby checkups, when babies are born, by the law in Israel, they're always supposed to do it. That wasn't quite, it was kind of understood that you were supposed to, but apparently not every doctor that checked babies did it. Mm-hmm. The doctor that checked Hall after he was born, uh, it was a home birth, but we did have him checked out uh, right away by a doctor, but apparently they didn't check that. Um, and they missed it. So... He, we didn't find out until then. And basically he had these cataracts growing there. So then we, they rushed to get him into surgery really quickly because uh, at that age, you know, the brain's developing and everything. And I was just kind of like, I was like, well, okay, this is, this is wild, but I guess this is what's happening. And um, Ima being a, a person who uh, was and is uh, more in touch with her emotions, <laughs> was more aware of what she's feeling, doesn't just suppress it uh, to the back of her mind until it causes her problems later, the way I do. She was much more upset at the time. And, um, and, I, and I was just like, okay, okay, this is what we're doing, this is what we're doing. Um, and it was a whole thing. So he was our first kid. We were figuring out how to have a baby, how to deal with it, how to change diapers, how to give a baby a bath, you know, how to get a baby in a car seat, all the like things we'd never done before. And we also were figuring out how to deal with the medical system and the hospital and the doctors and the therapies and everything. Um, but uh, thank God we got really great care for him really quickly and, uh, you know, got about as good as we could have possibly gotten for him. And then, so let's see. So I, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Other stories about raising you guys when you were really little you know gosh those years for the most part I gotta say when the three of you were really little they're kind of a blur (laughs) because I was working um and I was getting my rabbinic coordination and my tour guiding license and we had three babies really close to each other so I was not sleeping I think my brain's ability to make new memories was like on pause for like five years (laughs) that is it okay well um hope you enjoyed listening to great story i have no idea which episode this is because i haven't uploaded in such a long time but i am uploading now so thank you for listening to the something episode of great story and see you next time bye